You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Go Wild. Go Wild is the fastest growing social media application for outdoor enthusiasts and it's designed by outdoor enthusiasts. If you want more information, visit Google Play Store and download the app or visit timetogowild.com. Let's get outside. It's time to go wild. When it comes to hunting in comfort, I can't think of a better way than hunting out of a redneck blind. You know, it's something about a man. You want to be this rough, tough, just adventurous, I'm going to hunt in any condition kind of guy. We've all been there. But it's super nice being tucked away in a redneck blind, whether it be hay bale blind, soft side blind, fiberglass blind, that allows you just to hunt longer in tough conditions. That's right. And sometimes when you have a limited time, you want to make sure that when you have the day to hunt, you can spend as many hours out there as possible. What better way than have a redneck blind keeps you out of the elements and comfortable. Plus, the another advantage of the fiberglass blind is put them in those situations where the wind might be too light and variable or mm-hmm. too swirly, and you can put a fiberglass blind in the Big Buck Palace, lock up all the windows, and sit in there and be scent-proof, scent-free, and, and still be in the game. Great time to take out a kid or a dad, older people, Tuck them away in these things, get them out of those you know, tough conditions, and enjoy a hunt for longer periods of time. That's Check right. Check them out at redneckblinds.com. Welcome to the Hunting Strategy Podcast this week. This is Matt Dye, and Adam is back in Missouri holding down the fort. I am traveling to Ohio, Maryland, Virginia to visit family, and then uh, stay there for a couple of days and then make, make our way to Tennessee for a property consultation. And then down to Arkansas with hunt, well, to hunt with the Stratton boys. So, uh, long roundabout trip, but part of the uh, the trip includes a stop here in Ohio and working with a a client. And I I have to do a podcast. I feel obligated to do a podcast with him. His name is Todd, and he's here with with me today. But I don't know if I've ever heard a story quite like the story that he has to share that's taken place over 16, 17 years. Um, and I want I want everyone to listen with an open mind and understand the perspective that, that he's going to share on the podcast. Um, because the, the story comes 100% full circle. Uh, but it's so unique that I think that there's there's different portions of the story that everyone really is honestly going to be able to relate to, and I, I encourage you to to think of how you know how, how it resonates with you. Um, 
So without further ado, Todd, welcome hey, to the podcast. You scared everybody when you said, <laughs> now keep an open mind. Yeah. You scared me. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was it was funny. Actually, another client from um, Ohio, he texted me the other day and he said, oh, and it made me chuckle. He said, I feel like I need to wear um, steel toe boots listening to the podcast because I'm going to get my toes stepped on so much. It was, it was a habitat <laughs> podcast. And it, man, it made me, it made me chuckle. Um, but I, I, I do think that because the, the, again, this whole story is, mm-hmm. is such a cool perspective on, on a evolving uh, situation that mm-hmm. really was, it, it, you know, takes place through a, a long, really uh, over, almost over two years. decades. Yeah, yeah, almost two, two decades. decades yeah. Just evolving you as a person and as a hunter and as a habitat manager. Um, that you know, there's probably someone else out there who's been through something mm-hmm. similar. Uh, mm-hmm. I I don't know them. I haven't met them. But again, there's there's a portion that I'm sure every listener you know throughout this two decade mm-hmm. period is going to be relate, going to be able to relate to you. Yeah. Um, so set the stage sure. on, on the whole story. We've sure. talked about it multiple times, and sure. I ask questions. I've done it, you know, a few times uh, about it, but I let, I'll just let you take the wheel and sure. just run with it. Well, we'll fast forward. Yeah. And we will fast forward to, what, four weeks ago maybe? I, I can't remember yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, you would think I'd have the date etched in stone. <laughs> but I, I killed yep. my first buck. Yep. In seven, six, either 16 or 17 years. Right. And killed my first buck on our farm here in Ohio that I've now had for three years. And that's, and it was a, a, a mature animal. Absolutely. That, that I actually patterned. Mm-hmm. And I had a pattern on, on three of the five deer that I considered shooters on the farm. We haven't yep. seen the other two. We don't know what happened. But all three of these... What's interesting, I had all three of them in bow range, and those yeah. are different stories within themselves. But there was a lot of satisfaction in that. But but totally. that's fast forward, and right. that's just the simple. That's what happened. Yeah. But there's a big backstory. Big big backstory. Yeah. And it, and it kind of started. No, it didn't start. Let me rephrase that. It it you understood it when you asked me the question. The day I killed once I once I found the buck, I, yep. I, we gave it an hour. Mm-hmm. I came back in. And and found the buck only 50 yards from where where I shot it. Yep. And I got it got it and I called you. Mm-hmm. And you asked me how did I feel? Yeah. Now I'm not going to tell how I felt yet. Yeah. Yeah. But that's where all this started for you. Right. Right. That's where you really you got my whole story. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. So now that we've got everyone on the hook. Yeah. They're, they're sitting thinking, what's so fest- yeah. special about this? What in the world? Who what cares? Do you mean? How did so you he feel? shot a buck. He's elated. He shot, he shot a hitless buck. A he shot a hitless buck. buck. A great deer. It's a 133 class yeah. buck. Who cares, right? <laughs> how did you feel? It's important. Yes. It's important. So sure. I guess we'll, well then, that's a fast forward view. Let's go back. Back to yeah. 17 years ago. Sure. I grew up hunting. You know, my dad took me hunting uh, for squirrels when mm-hmm. I was younger. Killed my first rabbit at eight years old. Yep. Uh, with a four ten. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and my mom got so mad. It was out. Of, it was at our back door into our garden. All <laughs> oh, she was about to kill my dad. But uh, we didn't have deer back then because yep. back. Keep in mind, in the in the at least in West Virginia where I mm-hmm. grew up, 
I, I was born in 64, and this would have been, you know, in the 70s or so forth. There was there was no deer, or yeah. very few deer. Right. It was, I, I basically lived near the woods, and I played in the woods all my life. Mm-hmm. I went hunting for squirrel hunting and, and all these things all the time. And I, my first deer I saw in the wild, I was 18 years old. Wow. 18 years old. Incredible. Now, fast forward to, you know, 20, 30 years later, yep. my dad had to put fences around his garden because they were eating up his yeah, vegetation. Yeah. So things changed. So, sure. so I didn't grow up deer hunting, but I, I grew up hunting and loving the outdoors. Mm-hmm. So I bought a farm back in, I believe it was 99. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved my farm. And it had a great creek in front of it that had bass in it that, because yeah. it was the... It fed a, a lake, and they spawned up in my creek, and I, I got into bass fishing then. But I was really, really into deer hunting, then, mm-hmm. really big time. And I would I would watch all the videos, Night and Hail and Primos yeah. and Realtree. Oh, yeah. The good old days. Oh, yeah. I watched VHS. them all. VHS. VHS tapes. Oh, definitely. And I remember back then, I don't know about now exactly, but, but like North American Whitetail, for example, they didn't really have any issues through the winters. They only started their issues up in the summer, and I just wait till all the magazines came out, and right. I read them all. Right. And so I loved deer hunting. And for the three or four years that I owned the farm, it was it was my passion. Mm-hmm. Hunted a lot and killed a few nice deer and just had a blast. And, you know, it was all about the kill. That's I just it. loved to go out and kill the deer. Yeah. And it thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, Without going into detail, Matt, I had to sell the farm. Yeah. I had to sell it. You know, right. family situations, we yep. had to sell the farm. And I was devastated mm-hmm. because I didn't want to sell the farm. Yep. You know, I had to sell the farm. And so I put my guns up, mm-hmm. my bows up in the attic. I don't even think I cleaned them. Didn't put them in the attic, excuse me, I put them in the safe because if they were in the attic, they would have like split apart and things with all the moisture and heat. <laughs> yeah. But you know the concept. I right. put them away. They're away. I, and, and I couldn't even think about hunting anymore because I was hurt. I was, right. I was devastated. I didn't even look at a magazine. I had no desire to. It was like, it was like I lost a relative. Yeah, yeah. And it, would hurt, it was so hurtful mm-hmm. that I wanted nothing to do with hunting. It was a... Uh any like anything that reminded you of hunting was like the there was a knife in your back and exactly. it just twisted it. It just twisted. And I had people offered to to take me hunting on their land. Uh-huh. I turned them all down yeah. because I just had no desire. I mean, my passion and and we talked about mm-hmm. this. My passion even with that farm, you know, at that time I was kind of into killing things, but I was still at that time into the habitat and I really the yeah. part I really enjoyed the most was trying to to landscape the land mm-hmm. or whether it be fan- planting food plots or I remember I would go out and I would string baling twine along tree lines like a fence line to try yeah. to get deer to go around a certain way to go to my stand. Sure. So all these little things, that's the part I enjoyed. I enjoyed, Matt, I enjoyed the 365 days or excuse me, the 364 days of working with the land, working with the habitat, mm-hmm. not just the one day you killed the deer. Yeah, definitely. It was the 364 days that meant something to me. Full ownership of yes, the land. Yes, because that was more important than the kill, although I liked the kill at that time. Sure. But it was the 364 days of the work that got to the kill. Yeah. If, but if so, if so if someone asked me to go hunting with them on their land, it number one, it brought back 
memories of I don't have my farm anymore and it just it, it bothered me. Yeah. And second of all, I had no desire, zero desire, to go sit in a stand that someone else put there that they did all the work mm-hmm. and all I'm there to do is wait for a deer to come by and shoot it. That you don't have any previous history with, you don't know. No, yeah. It just comes That's through right. and Yeah. No desire for that. Picking it off and, and and it's okay. Other people may enjoy that. Yeah. And I have no problem with that. Sure. It's just not what I want. It, it's, it, that it, that just comes down to a personal preference. Personal preference. Right. I'd rather spend 364 days doing that for somebody else. Yeah. Right. Really. I yeah. mean that. Yeah, yeah. And I get it. And so, Definitely. and then I, same thing with, with public land. Again, same thing as, is I'm not into killing so much that I just want to go sit in a stand and wait for a deer to come by and kill mm-hmm. it. I want to have something to do with why that deer is there. Yeah. Yeah. It's what you teach me and what all the podcasts teach and, and what right. we're doing with this land that I have now, my farm now, here in southeastern Ohio. It, it's, that's the enjoyment for me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's the backstory. Yeah. And then I literally did not pick up a shotgun, mm-hmm. a rifle, or a bow for the purposes of hunting for 16 years. Wow. Didn't even clean my guns. Like, that brings new meaning to dry spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's talking about a dry spell. Yeah. Gee whiz, yeah. I dried up. Yeah. And something else changed. Over that evolution, and, I, you know, Matt, I don't really know if it was my kids, mm-hmm. my family. Uh, you know, I, I, at the same time that this farm was being sold, I ended up getting full custody of my children. Yeah. And that's, you know, I don't mean to bring that up. I, only because I tell you that because I, sp- I really poured my heart and soul into my children. Right. Uh, and then had a wonderful wife that I married in 2005, mm-hmm. several years later. And she had a beautiful daughter who's now my daughter. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've helped raise her and I consider her my own as well. And then something else changed is dogs. It's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, How do you yeah. relate dogs to this? Because right. all dogs How do is chase our deer around and <laughs> scare them off. <laughs> no. yeah. How do they play a role? In How to play a role. You know, when I grew up, again, remember, I grew up in the 70s mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I was born in 64, so the 70s and early 80s. So my parents and my generation's parents, when you had dogs, they were either hunting dogs or dogs. They generally were out in a doghouse. Yeah. They stayed yeah. outside. They didn't live in the house. They weren't part of the family. Well, that's my, what dogs were to me. Well, my wife was the opposite. She had always had dogs that slept in her bed and lived with her, mm-hmm. and they were part of the family. So when when I married her, I inherited a dog. Yep. A a dog that slept in my bed, right? That slept on the couch. That was all, and I was like, if I was going to be married to this woman, I was going to live with the dog sleeping in my bed. Sure. <laughs> so yeah. I got, I learned real quick that I better love this dog, and uh-huh. I did. I loved her dearly. She grew to be 19 years old. It wow. was the oldest wow. dog that um, our vet said he had ever he had ever treated. Wow. But anyway, we we said she was a ghost for the last 10 years of her life. She she died 10 years old. She was just a ghost. But anyway, yeah. that's another story. <laughs> So we bought a German Shepherd. It was just the love of our lives, and he was part of our family. He went everywhere with us. He flew in the plane with me. He went mm-hmm. to the grocery store with her. He, he was her baby, but he was our family. And then we had our daughter got a dog, and his name was Opie, and he was just the love of our lives, and he's still alive. Yep. Hogan passed away. And then we've had three German Shepherds since, mm-hmm. of which you've met two of them. Yes. And as you can tell, they truly are members of our family. Oh, yeah. In fact, we joke that we like them better than our kids. Right, right. <laughs> to put it in perspective, 
you fixed me two eggs this morning, and then your wife fixed the dog yeah. eggs too. Every morning we fix the dog eggs. Yeah. With us, if yeah. we if we make eggs, the dogs get eggs. They get eggs. Now we don't feed them a lot of table food because right. that's not. But they're just eggs are fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so. I, you're thinking, where's this going? Yeah, wait, yeah. We 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 stopped talking about honey <laughs> that dry spell and got into dogs, dogs. feeding them yeah. eggs. This is this a hunting podcast <laughs> yeah. or is this a right? Uh, what is it that some CPA or whatever the American Society for Protecting yeah, Animals S- or CPA or something yeah. like that? <laughs> no, there is a story to this. So where I grew, where I grew to just love these dogs like our own family. Mm-hmm. They're animals. Yeah. And I kind of started transforming from wanting to kill something and watched every video on how to kill a deer and whatever to where I bought this farm three years ago. And I really struggled Mm -hmm. the first year on even whether I would hunt. Right. You you had the dry spell. Then you have – now you have a farm back in in your possession, the ability to go and hunt. And and before we started recording, you said, I planted – I had food pots planted on the property, but you didn't even know if you were going to hunt over them. Correct. They just – they were openings, and you planted them. Figured I needed to plant some food plots. Right. (laughs) I wasn't going to hunt. I just wanted to plant – you have land, you better plant food plots, right? Right. (laughs) And and so (laughs) – it, you had the resources, everything at your disposal. Yes. But it was a total mindset of, is this something that I, I want to go through with? Correct. And and, it, and that's where the dogs come in. Yeah. Because yeah. to me, the dogs, they're four-legged animal. They're yeah. animals just like that deer is. Yeah. And, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if I go shoot a deer, it's like shooting my dog. Mm-hmm. And they're part of our family. Right. And so I really struggled with that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm going to be honest. I, yeah. I really, really did. In fact, in fact, the first year, mm-hmm. I planted food plots, not knowing why I was even planting them. It's just the land yeah. was there. You plant food plots, wow. and that, of course, that's long before I got in touch with you guys yeah, and learned yeah. about all the other things we need to do other than just plant Certainly. food plots. Yep. But, uh, but I hunted one time. Mm-hmm. The whole entire season. I even had three redneck blinds on the farm and never hunted out of them one time. Wow. Yeah. I did sit in them a couple of times and take pictures. Observe and just watch. Yeah. And just look. to see what the deer were doing. Yeah. So I was enjoying that. And I was enjoying. Totally. And I was enjoying looking out in binoculars at my food plots and yeah. watching the deer. Yeah. I think I planted the plots more to watch the deer than, than ever just hunting them. Watch deer do what deer do. Do what deer do. Be deer. Because I always enjoyed that. Yeah. Always. So I made this transformation that wasn't on purpose. It yeah. wasn't a, a conscious thing. Yeah. And here I was. I had this land that I bought to build this bass pond, which I did. Mm-hmm. Didn't buy for deer hunting. And now I'm planting food plots to watch deer. Yeah, yeah. And I hunted once with a muzzleloader, and I probably passed four deer mm-hmm. that day. And I really struggled. I even talked to some people about it. It's right, like right. I had hunter therapy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I had another another friend of mine that had bought a farm. A really good friend of mine. In fact, it was I hunted with him the first time I ever killed a deer mm-hmm. when I was like twenty six or twenty seven. He was the person who took me hunting. Oh, wow. 
when I killed my first deer. Yeah. So he bought a farm about six months before I did, and he was all into the hunting and this and that. And he's like, hey, you know, and he knew I was a hunter. Yeah. But he didn't know that I had transformed. He knew me the old way. The hunting days. Yes. When you're, yeah. That's right. And so, well, you've been hunting on your farm? No. We've been hunting? No. Like, what's wrong with you? I said, I don't know that I can kill a deer anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, I don't know how I will feel. Yeah. And I'll give you an example. And I, now this bothers me still to this day. And I don't, it doesn't, it's okay if other people do. But for me. This is, a, again, a personal. It's a personal yeah. thing. When I see a deer, a, a, a dead deer in a picture, the tongue hanging out just, it bothers me. Yeah, yeah. So the little things like that bothered me. Mm-hmm. So even when I killed this deer and the, yeah. the few does I killed last year, I, I put the tongue back in. Yeah. I just didn't want to see that. Sure. So there's a little bit of me that, that, that yeah. still doesn't like to kill something. And I know a lot of people are like that. But I really had some mental problems over this. <laughs> <laughs> I had to have deer therapy. So that was the frame of mind I was in. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then last year, I kind of got more into I started enjoying the process again of, of manipulating where the deer traveled, the, the, the food plots, the really into early successional habitat, mm-hmm. bedding areas, timber standard all the things you have taught me you yeah. guys have been really good especially listening to your podcasts and they've done a lot and then the work that we've done i'm really starting to truly enjoy that 364 days again yeah the definitely. 364 days of 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 working the habitat all the things we're doing mm-hmm. to try to get a deer a and in this case mature deer because i'm right. only interested in shooting mature bucks mm-hmm I'm not so much worried about the score. I'm really worried about the age. Yeah. I don't, I really have no desire to shoot anything less than three and a half, but I'd really prefer four and a half and mm-hmm. five and a half if possible. But I mean, if it's a really nice three and a half, that's fine. But, yeah. but, but I just have no desire because that's the challenge. Sure. And so I enjoy the whole process of trying to manipulate, and I don't mean manipulate in a bad way, I mean in a good way. Right. Creating habitat, funnels, bedding areas, pinch points all the things that you all preach mm-hmm. to try to get that mature animal within bow range. Yep. So here we are. And so that, that yeah, rolled that's into, the background. into this year of, and by the way, last year I didn't yeah. take a shot at a single deer. And you, other than doe, I did kill a doe. You did kill a doe. Cause I, I know I need to kill some, some does. Right. Right. Just to at least maintain the, I don't really have an overpopulation. Right. I, but I want to maintain it just from, standpoint. yeah, just to keep status yep. quo. Mm-hmm. Um, so that rolled into, into really this year Mm -hmm. and coming into season, you had five deer Mm -hmm. that you said, I'd be happy to take any of those deer. Absolutely. Yes. And two. still not sure if I, how I'd feel about though. Right. Right. Still not, still uh, not out of that. Right. uh, I still hadn't killed a, it, it, I struggled killing that doe, Mm -hmm. but for some reason that wasn't as bad because I knew it needed to happen. Yeah. Because I do buy into the philosophy that, that you have to manage. I've always been a proponent, Matt, even before it was hip, on you need to sh- shoot as, at least as many does as you do bucks because right. someone else isn't. Right. And so you need to at least keep the population mm-hmm. stable. Now, you can inc- increase or decrease based on your whether you need to increase or decrease the population. But regardless of that... If you go out and kill five bucks or someone else does and you kill no does, you're you're skewing the balance. Now, I know right. a, dirt, a herd can be self, they say it can be self-correcting over time. Yep. But 
I think I think it behooves me to if there's a buck killed on my farm, I at least need to kill one doe. Sure. It's kind of at least a general right. philosophy. Right. Uh, very simplistic. So I didn't really have a problem with that doe mm-hmm. because I knew it needed to happen because I had a couple friends. I don't let very many people hunt, but I have had a couple friends kill two bucks. Yeah. So we needed to kill a couple doe. Mm-hmm. Didn't bother it, me. There was a a reason and a purpose. A reason it. and a purpose beyond just. Uh, if you will, an entertainment enjoyment thing. There was right. a scientific, there was a scientific uh, factual, biological reason to do so. In fact, I went out purposefully to kill a doe. Yeah. I did not go out hunting. Right. I went out because we biologically felt we needed to kill 10 does that year. Yeah. And there was no way it was going to get done unless, unless I at least killed one. Yeah. And we killed nine. Yeah. So now it was still an animal and I still had sadness. Yeah. But I did I wasn't going through all the mental gymnastics over it. Sure, sure. So then that And by the way, I'm not crazy. No, no, you're <laughs> you're not. You're not. Um then then we get into this year. Yes. There's there's the five bucks. Mm-hmm. Um two ended up af- basically after Velvet Shed. They they Yeah, we don't left. know where they were. Don't know we don't, we don't know if they're dead, up, alive, right. whatever. Um mm-hmm. But then you've got three great deer, mm-hmm. um, which you got in front of. Yeah. I- yes. Multiple times and had opportunities yeah. at. And that this is part of the satisfying part, man. Yeah. And, and, and this is way more satisfying than the eventual kill that we yep. initially talked about at the beginning. I really, really wanted to – I don't want to go out and just randomly kill something. Mm-hmm. Again, I enjoy the process. So yeah. so I really wanted to make sure that, that I wanted to, if I was going to kill one, mm-hmm. I wanted it out of respect for the animal as much as anything. I wanted to make sure that there was an effort and there was a lot of time involved and, and, a per, and not necessarily a purpose, but, but there was a plan. It wasn't yeah. just me going out and randomly this buck came by and I shot it. Right. I wanted it to be because of all the hard work and, and that had been done that it meant something definitely and so i worked diligently over between october and november trying to get a pattern on these three deer Mm -hmm. trying to get a pattern and i had many conversations with you probably too many because i kept (laughs) telling you i don't want to be a high maintenance client (laughs) but we were we had some other reasons to talk on some other things so it just we ended up talking a lot we talked a lot about strategy and and how these deer where where are you catching these deer? Yes. What are they doing? Where where do you think that they're betting? Yes. Where when are you seeing them here? Yes. And but in, in all reality, you put it all together and made the decisions of where you need to spend time hunting and But you, you were, were my sounding board. I was you a were sounding like, board. Yeah. And you gave me some suggestions. You said, Well, yeah. I don't think I'd hunt or I do think I'd hunt there. Well I do you know you, Right. Believe me, you played a big part in this. <laughs> but you know, let me, let me. Do you mind if I tell the story about each one of them very briefly? Go but ahead. then it'll lead to the yeah. final. So there was one buck called uh, Short Time Ten, mm-hmm. and he was actually the one that I was the most interested in. Yeah. And now come come to realize after that encounter with him, there was another buck called Tailbone that actually is the one that is my favorite. Yeah. But I, but I didn't start seeing him, as, seeing him as much and really how great he was until after my encounter with Short Time. So anyway, yeah. 
I had a pattern, a semi-pattern on these three, but I but I started after the rut. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I didn't hunt at all pre-rut, and right. I didn't hunt at all rut. I, I don't have as much interest hunting in the rut because it's a little bit more random than I yeah. like. And I was in South Carolina with family, and we mm-hmm. had a lot of family events in October, so I didn't hunt for like three weeks. Yeah. So I missed the entire rut. So post-rut, uh I started getting a feeding pad, and it started cooling down. And mm-hmm. We did get a cold spell. Yes, there was a cold spell there. And this one deer called Short Tine 10, which we, we initially thought was a mature deer, but yeah. now we're not sure. It may be three and a half. Right. Just a really nice deer. Yeah. Well, I got a camera shot of him twice coming into one of our, our hidey hole mm-hmm. food plots that we created just as a kill plot. And you helped me in that. We kind of figured out where we thought he was bedding based on the camera surveys. And he showed up twice at Daylight. like 4 o'clock. Right. And that had never happened before. And what's interesting is one of the days he showed up in this, this spot was two hours after I chainsawed a tree right in that very spot. Mm-hmm. Exact same frame. I'm literally the same frame. Yeah. Of the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Right so there. me chainsawing two hours earlier had zero effect on this right, deer. Right. He didn't care. Which is a total another, po- another podcast, by yes. the way, about. Working a farm and conditioning, yeah. but that's that's another story. So I was really excited. I talked to you, and I mm-hmm. decided I waited. Remember, yeah. I waited a couple of days until the wind was perfect. Got up in this stand, and literally at three thirty, here he came. Mm-hmm. Twenty, and he was twenty-four yards. And I had two spots picked out, and I thought he was at my thirty yard. I didn't. Right. I, I was. I didn't have to, he came in so fast and I had no idea it was him because it was too early. Yeah. He was early than he should right. be. I thought it was Caught a doe out of the corner of my eye. I thought it was a yeah. doe, so I wasn't even really ready. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have my rangefinder ready. And it was him. And by the time I saw that it was him, it was too late for me to move. The only thing I could do was barely get my crossbow up. Yeah. And so I thought for sure he was 30 yards mm-hmm. and he was 24. Yeah. And because my, I'm 22 feet in the air, that's a pretty severe angle. Right. So that extra five or six yards makes probably a four or five inch difference on the deer. Ended up shooting the deer, fortunately, fortunately, below the spine and above the leg into, the fat, we think, the yeah. fat. And it, it injured him. It actually knocked him over. But right. he ended up walking away. And we've seen him since, and he looks perfectly he fine. Looks very healthy. Perfectly yeah. fine. So I... I First deer in my life I've ever shot at and not killed. Mm-hmm. So there was a devastated me. I, yeah. I literally almost cried for yeah. two days. And I'm not saying that like virtually crying, but I was devastated. Right. Do you it remember irritated me? you. It, it me saying I'm, I feel terrible. Mm-hmm. I feel rotten. I don't want to ever want to injure a deer. So here I am already playing mental gymnastics. Yeah. And I've now, in my mind, injured a deer. Yep. And I was just devastated. Mm-hmm. I'm like... I take care about taking short. I don't take long-range shots. I don't yep. take questionable shots. How could I have done this? Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I just didn't range it right. Well, so that, uh, and I didn't hunt. If you remember, I didn't hunt for like a week. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know that I'm going to do this. I just can't do this. Mini dry spell. Mini dry spell. <laughs> 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 so now you all know I'm really crazy. <laughs> Give me some Xanax, right? No, no, you're not crazy. So you pep talked me and a couple other people did. You know, it's it's okay. It happens. Yeah. It happens. I I'm like, still, though, I don't want to do this. So I got back out there, and and I caught 
So my favorite deer, which is tailbone, I had him patterned now. Yeah. So I was out in the woods, and I had this tree stand set up, and I had hunted it once, and I had a pattern on him, and here he came. Mm-hmm. Just as exactly as it was planned. Yep. In a morning hunt. Just so happened to be 24 yards. <laughs> now, <laughs> I watched him walk. Now, here's the thing. I when, I when I set this tree stand, and I'll try to make this. I know I'm rambling a bit. You're good. When I put up this tree stand, I left a couple limbs laying under me. Yeah. So that to kind of silhouette, so right. I wouldn't be silhouetted. Kind of break up the whole outline of break figure up the of a guy sitting in a tree stand. Right, because there wasn't a lot of background. There wasn't any. There weren't. Mm-hmm. There were not any trees that that had stuff behind them. So this was kind of a place where there was only straight trees. So I, that's the only way I could try to break up my silhouette. Yeah. So he he came from. I saw him coming about seventy five yards away, and here he was coming right at me, and so I carefully bought the, got the bow up and then I put my scope on him all right now I'm not shooting a bow I have a neck problem and I can't yep. shoot a bow anymore so I'm shooting a crossbow and so I had my scope on him the whole time mm-hmm. and what I didn't know was as he walked towards me I was lowering the, the scope lowering the scope lowering the scope lowering the scope to where finally he turned broadside at 24 yards I didn't realize that my arrow or bolt in this case yep was apparently sticking right at that limb, but my scope wasn't. Yep. Because the scope is a few inches above. Sure. And I didn't take my eye off the scope, so I didn't know it was. So I shot and heard this weird noise. I'm like, what the heck? And that deer at 24 yards looked at me, and I stayed virtually still, and he never saw me. Mm -hmm. He looked at me like, what's up there? Yeah. Sit there for a minute, and I'm like, why is this deer not moving? How could I miss this shot? Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe he's just going to drop over. I heard a weird sound, but Mm -hmm. I couldn't miss that shot. He walked up, turned around, looked at me again, never saw me. And maybe 10 minutes later, he just moseyed on up through. And I couldn't crank my crossbow back up, but he never saw me. And I'm like, what happened? And then I looked at the limb, Mm -hmm. and it had a big mark on it, and I found my arrow shattered Right. Literally three feet from him. It just shattered in pieces. So I didn't even come close to hitting that deer. And if Mm -hmm. I would have, it wouldn't have hurt him any because the arrow shot. So I was devastated again, but not because I wounded an animal. Right. So then fast forward a week later, a deer we have limp ear. Now, this is a deer we we saw last year, and we thought last year that he was an older deer on the downside. But he really had a great year, and he looked looked nice. We think he's five and a half maybe. Mm Mm-hmm. Four and a half the youngest, but we think five and a half at least. And he really had a nice, beautiful main eight frame with the one. It was a nine because he had one kicker point. But uh, had a great pattern on him, and he was one of my hit lists. Well, I knew he was in this one area we call the saddle, and you and I talked about it. And I hunted him one morning, or excuse me, one evening. And right, without going into too much detail, right at dark, mm-hmm. right at the last three minutes of shooting light, I shot him at, I think, 37 yards or something, right. and he went 50 yards. Now, that's the story done. of the kill. It's that's done. A, that's it. It's done. And then you asked me. And what did you ask me? I said, <laughs> how does it feel? What does it feel like after a six, 16, 17-year hiatus yep. of, of not hunting mm-hmm. or truly harvesting 
game minus the doe. What did it feel like to take that deer again? From and, and knowing mm-hmm. that what it, what you've done to the habitat. Yeah. Because you haven't really touched on it, but you are a serious serious habitat manager. What is it? What did it feel yeah. like to take that animal? And I can't remember at the time if you even knew this backstory. I don't think you did, did you? Um, I, I don't remember. I knew. Yeah. Yeah, I did. You knew that I had some struggles with yeah. killing a yeah. buck? Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what you were expecting, but here's what you got. I said, I'm not sad at all. Mm-hmm. I am so, I can't remember the word I used. Maybe it was satisfaction or, yeah. I don't even think that was the right word. I was so, I felt, I felt, um, I don't know. It's hard for me to find the word. I, I, I felt gratified. It's like. Yeah. Because it wasn't about killing Limpier. Mm-hmm. This was about three years of working tirelessly, and, and I mean tirelessly, because other than you helping me and, and, and so forth, pretty much all this habitat work I've done over the past three years, over 2,000 hours worth, I've done myself. Yeah. Planted all the food plots, done everything. Mm-hmm. And before you all arrived, I pretty much you know, did it all. Yep. And I was so filled with joy that three things. I got three deer that I was pattering, all three that were still left on the farm. I was able to get all three of them within bow range. Mm-hmm. That was more satisfying than killing any of them. Yeah. That, we were, that I was able to do that. You had a goal. A goal. And you're... Ba- Basically, you, you accomplished it with all three of the deers. Put yourself and mm-hmm. put the deer in specific areas yes. that allowed you to have an opportunity at harvesting them. Yes. And the part of that is is that if it wouldn't have been for all the work the three years before and the habitat work and a lot of the advice that you all had given me and, and, and so forth, I would never have been able to do that. Right. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I am not a good hunter. Right. I'm not a bad hunter. Mm-hmm. I'm an average hunter. And I'm not one of these guys that I've never killed a 133 class animal in my life. This mm-hmm. is my biggest deer ever. Yeah. Now yeah. I expect on this farm to kill. Oh yeah. You know, 150s and above. So, you know, yeah. at some point, probably next year. Yep. But I am by no stretch of the imagination. I've killed. This is my fourth buck my entire life. Yeah. yeah. Over 30 years, I'm 54, but I've only been hunting right. deer since I was 20. You know, 26. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I've killed four in 30 years. Yep. So I'm not Mr. Deer Hunter, but I was able through just doing the right thing, doing mm-hmm. what I was told, doing my scent control, you know, my regiment, yep. doing exactly what you all say on your podcast and others have said, never hunt a stand unless the wind is perfect. Mm-hmm. And something that really helped me, especially over the past six weeks, and I don't keep, I don't mean to keep saying you guys, but I listened to your all's podcasts on hunting after the rut about pinch points yeah. and, and, and they're going back to the food, but hunch the pin, hunt the pinch points and so forth. I really took that to heart. And mm-hmm. two of the three of these that I got in bow range were in pinch points. Yeah. Yeah. And so it really helped. So the, what I'm getting at is this, I got so much satisfaction out of being able to pattern three mature animals as a novice hunter, being able to get mm-hmm. them within bow range, even with the broken arrow, even with the miss yeah. of short time, but just the 
the process of that and knowing that all the hard work paid off. Yep. And so I was filled with a great satisfaction of knowing that this was 364 days yep. over a th- three times. So it would be right. 900 and some days yeah. for that one moment and that that was the best way to honor that animal. Mm-hmm. And so I did not feel sad. I was shocked. I thought Mm -hmm. I would be devastated. Yeah. But I felt wonderful. That's awesome. Which is the total opposite of what I thought was going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Now, if I would have just gone somewhere to someone else's farm Mm -hmm. and killed a buck, even a better buck. Right. I think I would have been extremely sad. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But not this one. Not this one, no. and and not the ones to come that are going no, to come on come. this property, come off not this property by your hand, yep. that's um, right. and that's that's the crazy thing. So, you know, I, I, we we got to wrap up, but that's that's the powerfulness of the story, the powerfulness of the connection with what you're doing um, with the land, working it, and understanding the impact. It, it can change. I don't want to say it, you know, it can change hearts, but it can change mindsets and perspectives yes. and allow you to understand things yes. in a deeper way. That's right. And, and that's, that's right. That's why as as hunters, we're not just hunters. Like we're, right. we're, we are, we're more than that. And I think we need to understand that and portray that better. That's right. You're you're an that's animal right. lover. I'm an animal I, oh, lover. Oh, absolutely. But you know what? But that's why I'm not sad about mm-hmm. this because you and I were talking about something today. It had nothing to do with this, but right. it brings a. We said that we're leaving the land better than it that we got it. Yeah. That we're making it better than what we started at. Now we not we may not make it perfect. Sure. But we're making it better than we found it. Yep. And so when you think about that, that. That's why this is so satisfying because, quite frankly, the work that, that the QDMA and, and you guys and all, you know, all the habitat, w- whether it be, you know, returning our lands to more native vegetations versus invasive, mm-hmm. whether it's old field management or early successional management or timber, timber stand improvement, all the things that, that we should all be doing as land stewards, it's helping all the land, mm-hmm. all the animals. It's helping the turkeys. It's helping the deer. It's helping the rabbits. It's even helping the coyotes. Yeah. You know, I'm not anti-coyote. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are, and that's okay, but I'm not. I think they yeah. have a role. Yep. They need to make a living, too. Mm-hmm. And so, but if you have your land in balance and your habitat in balance and, and, and you make the habitat or you help make create the habitat in such a way that, that it improves all wildlife, then that respect for the wildlife and that respect for the animal and that respect for the deer, it's more than just killing it. Yeah. Now, yeah. it's okay if someone just wants to go kill a deer. Mm-hmm. That's fine. I have no problem with that. Yeah. But I can't do that. Sure. I, it has yep. to be the whole package. Yep. I have to be improving more than I'm killing. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm making the life of 50 deer or 75 deer or hundreds of turkeys or whatever way better Yes. And so the one deer is just the the culmination or the, the icing on the cake for improving the overall habitat and leaving it better than we found it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I challenge everyone listening to think about your perspective, your your thought process, why you do what you do, and where you're at. Not again, not to say that if you are a guy who goes out and harvests a deer, doesn't have history with it, or doesn't, you know manage to have that that you're wrong not at all not ever but just think about your your history with with hunting and how you've developed and you've changed your mindset just just to know where you're at and where you've come from because I guarantee someone has had a transition in, in their line of thinking somewhere along the line so where are you at consider it ponder it I hope you find this podcast intriguing interesting thought-provoking um and it does open your mind to different perspectives different um people in their stages of hunting and you know just understand people i just hope they were entertained because there's someone That's crazier true. than they are <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it. schizophrenic i don't <laughs> know <laughs> i love it well thank you guys for listening truly do appreciate it um, get out there and do something in the habitat. <laughs> That's all I got. It's late. What do you say now, right? right. We, we've been, <laughs> How do you follow that? <laughs> ooh, we had a, we had a good day. We had a long day um, working the property, but man, it's uh good to do a podcast with you. We appreciate everyone. Thanks for listening. having me. Absolutely, you bet. We'll see you guys.